0: This week's podcast brought to you by Diaphanous Pants.
1: This morning, our ninth grader mentioned that she had a history test on the Middle Ages, and I asked her if she had studied, and she said, I looked at the pictures and I turned the pages. And then she said, I can't get that Art Garfunkel song out of my head. And I must say, I've never been more proud of her.
2: no pain no gain and we found that to be fact the road might twist and turn up bit but we all arrive intact mr mom and mrs dad having each other's back day by day just to keep it sane who's the ball and who's the chain it's hard to tell right here on happiness lane
0: easter has come and gone it is now springtime and For people with kids our age who play basketball in the spring, this is now known as AAU season. And so I was in New York State last weekend with our 12-year-old as she was participating in an AAU tournament. One of my favorite memories and moments of that tournament, I was helping actually coach the older older age group and the coach for the opposing team, so this is a bunch of 8th graders, uh the guy was in his late 20s, early 30s, meticulously gelled and groomed hair and he was wearing tight white pants. They were Adidas pants, but I wouldn't really say they were track pants because they were they were very form-fitting, a couple black stripes down the side. And uh, later that night when I was hanging out with some of the other parents after the day of games was over, one of the moms said, quote, "There were no secrets." With those pants, and uh and she was right. There were no secrets.
1: Were they with those pants? Were they diaphanous?
0: Define diaphanous.
1: Define diaphanous. Yes. Were they see-through? Were they translucent?
0: No, they they weren't. They were a thicker white material. That's not what she was saying. They were just so, so snugly bugly that uh, there were no secrets. <laughs>
1: Some secrets ought to be kept, don't you think?
0: Definitely some secrets ought to be kept. But I was thinking that would be a good name maybe for like a pair of Lululemon pants because they already have their ABC pants. Well, maybe they should have the opposite of their ABC pants. And those could be their no secret pants.
1: No secret jeans. I can see that. Um, The grizzled sports writer, Lee Montville, UConn alumnus, was sitting next to another grizzled sports writer. Are there any sports writers that aren't grizzled? Not, not Not that I've yet seen. Okay. Uh, but two grizzled sports writers sitting next to each other at some Olympics, Winter Olympics in the past. I remember Lee Montville telling me this story. He was sitting next to this other scribe, both of them used to covering the NFL and, and heavyweight boxing. But they were assigned figure skating. And the one grizzled scribe put down his stogie and turned to Lee while while writing on deadline and said very seriously, would you describe her Dress as diaphanous or mauve.
0: (laughs) And uh, did Lee have a response to that? I'm not sure
1: what his response was. I think the question had knocked him back on his
0: heels. (laughs) Well, we've probably told this story before, but one of my favorite memories of the Athens Olympics, I was there very pregnant with our oldest uh, child and uh and we were there with EM Swift who was covering gymnastics Ed Swift yes Ed Swift his byline EM Swift yes. yes and uh and one of your my favorite of your colleagues that I've ever met just a really really nice guy and um i just remember him having gotten in trouble because he described one of the gymnasts as being shaped right like a Snickers bar wasn't well, that what he got in yes. trouble for well
1: I don't know if he said it, it was it, it was a reference to a Snickers bar and just as you should never shop when hungry you should never Right on deadline one hundred,
0: <laughs> and he was clearly doing that.
1: By the way, you described uh, this season that we're now in as AAU season. Most of us would call it spring.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: But it's it's a uh, it's a mark of just how depraved the AAU scene is and uh, AAU parents and coaches are that you see this as AAU season and not spring.
0: I know. Well, it, I, that's not a fair way to describe this current batch of. Uh, of players. I am having an absolute blast coaching this group of seventh graders. Um, There's a couple sixth graders on the team and then some seventh graders. And these kids are an absolute delight. And it's not just it's not just because they're good basketball players and they all are good basketball players. And it's not just because they work really, really hard. But they exhibit so much joy when they're on the court playing and not joy like, you know, someone hits a three and they're putting the three goggles up and all that nonsense. It is you know, somebody um, makes a good play and she's running down the floor and two of her teammates as they're running by her um, slap her on the back or give her five. Or we had a game where all the kids on the who were on the bench were standing and cheering and not because I was telling them to, um, although I do do that if, if they're not doing it, but I didn't have to say anything to them. These kids are just naturally excited for one another. And, um, and they're so much fun to coach. So, I am having more fun coaching this group of, of players than I've had a, in a while. And um, you don't, you know, that's not something that you typically get with AAU because, you know, the kids come together for a not very long period of time. But this, this group has been playing together for a fair amount. But um, they're just an absolute blast. And even when I come home from practice or I'm at practice, I leave with a smile on my face. It really is gratifying when you're around a, a nice group of kids who, um, who are just happy. They they totally just energize me and, and energize the room and uh, they're a blast. It's
1: that brief window um, when you're in the hotels at these tournaments. I mean, you really they make one trip a season. But the pizza boxes outside the door in the hallway, the the smell of chlorine in the in the lobby oh yeah cannonballing into the pool at
0: this tournament we um we got permission to and therefore did took over a section of the lobby which was right next to the pool so the kids were jumping in the pool coming out drying off eating pizza or snacks or grabbing uh you know uh bubbly water before going back in the pool they were playing cards until late at night it was funny because one of the parents had brought a game that very much resembled beer pong, except it was, this was for the kids to play, except it was big buckets and big balls that you throw in them. And, um, and one of the parents said, you know, that kind of looks like beer pong. And the other one said, well, if my kid's going to be playing beer pong in college, I at least want her to be really good at it. So she's not the one who has to keep drinking the beer.
1: But it, it sounds like the kind of hotel... You would dread staying at if you're a business traveler.
0: Oh, without question, and it, it's not really. I don't think it's the kind of hotel that you probably would stay at if you were a business traveler. But another really fun part of the night was just after the games were done and the kids are playing and uh, you know and playing non beer pong and jumping in the pool is just sitting around with a group of adults who I really enjoyed. And um, because of where we live in the in you know the suburbs uh, of Hartford in in Connecticut, a lot of the parents work for the, the various insurance companies that are headquartered out here. Hartford is still considered, I think, the insurance capital of the world. And the, some of the conversations they were having just had me laughing. Um, and well, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Last week, I got an email from someone at ESPM, person I haven't dealt with before, asking me a question. And when I responded to it, you know, they said, well, let me ping them, and get back to you. What does that mean? I don't know exactly what it means. So I mean, Are they going to hit them with an aluminum bat? <laughs> I assumed it meant let me get in touch with them, but, you know, it, it sounds more... 2019 to say, let me ping them now or let me p- call them.
1: Let me text them. Yes. Let me email them.
0: I mean, I knew what it meant, even though as I read it, I was like, oh, good heavens, really? That's that's one of the phrases we're using now. So anyway as I was talking to, to some of um, these parents that, that work with the insurance companies that that, of course, is one they hear a lot. But um, but one of the ones I, I really liked, I don't remember which one of the the uh, insurance companies it is, instead of having meetings they in their new culture they have to call them huddles we're going to have we're going to have a huddle at eleven thirty a.m that's that's the word they have to use they're not allowed to say we're going to have a meeting they have to call it a huddle and then this was my ad abs- ever
1: do they ever go to a no huddle offense and skip
0: those meetings <laughs> they should <laughs> they should this was my favorite though and this was the one as they were talking about all the different things that they have to do and uh in their new climates when they start a meeting when 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 they go in and each person has to go around the room explain what they're working on but before they do they have to describe where they are as a color are they red are they yellow or are they green and if they're red if they're at a standstill on the, what they're working on why is that if they're at a yellow you know if they've been stalled why is that? And if they're green, so they have to come in. They can't just say how their project is going. They have to first describe it in a color. And I was just sitting there thinking this is the kind of thing if I was in the corporate world that would make me lose my absolute mind because it's such a waste of time and dumbing things down for, you know.
1: And it's a destroyer a
0: destroyer of brain cells. Oh, yeah, I was I was losing some as I was sitting there thinking about it. But um but they all appreciated that it was absurd but they have to do it because it's what they do and and one of the women i was talking to her husband who wasn't there but also works in in one of the insurance companies he they everyone dresses down he has to wear jeans he doesn't want to wear jeans to work he wants to wear dress pants no because he's a manager and has to set the example he has to wear jeans and so she said he's wearing jeans and his dress shirt and sport coat if he feels like it but uh, you know because they're trying to appeal to the young guys coming out of college and heaven forbid they don't get to wear jeans. But they're not to allowed their to, insurance company. They're uh, not allowed to call job. them jeans, right? Yeah, right. Right, exactly. I, I, I should have asked her what uh what they have to call their their garments of clothing, but um
1: denim leg sleeves. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ping the guy who's feeling yellow about where he is while he wears his denim leg sleeves. In
1: in the huddle and they often use sports metaphors in these inane business jargon um things that go in waves, you know, they're uh, playing hardball or they're moving the goalposts or they're uh, you know, Larry lost his fastball.
0: Well, you it's were telling comical. me you were telling me this morning that cuz you of all people make fun of this type of um language and anytime in past years when we've been around um your brothers or brothers-in-law and they talk about you know some of the, the having new, an
1: off-site with the open kimono yes, all that stuff yeah right
0: you, you love to make fun of that but then yesterday as you were on a conference call um you, you do did into, i hear you, you say d- something uh, that well, was you
1: do slip into uh, you do slip into it, as you would slip into an open kimono, and that is—I uh, did say the phrase escaped my lips, and I, I, I tried to scramble and reach for it and stuff it back in, but it was too late. It was—I uh, uh, I mentioned something about sending, sending the person something offline, right? And the irony of that is. I would have to be sending them that that thing online. I was offline when I was talking to them on the telephone. I would be going online to send them the thing.
0: Yeah, the absurdity. And um, one of the other things that parents were talking about, and I've heard this too in meetings, is, uh, oh, and we're going to give you 15 minutes back. When a meeting ends 15 minutes early, you know we, we're giving you 15 minutes back. No, you what? just took 45 right. of precious minutes from my life, making me describe myself as a color and using phrases like "ping." You owe me more than that 15 minutes back in my yeah, life.
1: The 15 minutes are to continue working for the insurance company, are, are they not? Are they giving you 15 <laughs> yes. minutes to uh, yes,
0: they're continue they're continue working. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story because this makes me think of it. Um, giving me 15 minutes back of my life, I'm gonna. Not use the names to protect the innocent. Are
1: but we going to have to give uh, like 75 hours back
0: to the lives of the people who listen to our podcast at <laughs> right. some point? For this, for this inanity? Well, I'm going to tell yeah, this for, story. For the
1: 75 hours of inanity that I think that we've put out so far. But go ahead. Tell Years
0: story. ago. I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember what year it was. But whenever the Final Four was in Cleveland... We had two young children. Our, our our second was an infant. I was not working the final four, but I was working the draft, which was in Cleveland right after the final four. And so you and I and our two daughters went to Cleveland and um, and also brought a babysitter with us. And while we were there, one night the babysitter said you know and this is a, a stage in our parenting lives where we you and I never got out we never got an hour to just go and have a drink or have dinner or that sort of thing and
1: we're we're now in year 16 of that phase
0: right right and so we were staying in a nice hotel we went to the lobby of the hotel and um you know while the babysitter had the kids we had an hour we had an hour and you went to the bar and got a beer and you and I were talking and coach Oriama came over because there were some coaches staying at that hotel, and we started talking to one another. And at that moment, another person came over, a person who is known to talk on and on. And he came over to talk to us. And, and so he's talking to you, me and Coach Orama, at which point Coach Orama says to you, would you like another beer? Yes. All right. So he goes to the bar to get you another beer and never returned. And then 45 minutes after that, after we've been standing there for an hour while this person was talking your ear off and my ear off for an hour, and it was time to head back to the room, you and I just kind of tucked our tail between our legs and left. And you said, if I ever see that person again, I'm going to punch them below the belt. And tell them, it, I it, want an hour of my life back. In their diaphanous <laughs> <laughs> sweatpants? I'm going to punch them in their diaphanous sweatpants and tell them they need to give me an hour of my life back. And, um, and I've told that story many times, so it, it's, it's worth, uh, worth losing the hour of your life just because it was such a funny moment. Well,
1: speaking of somebody who lost an hour of their life, I'm going to uh, insert into this show, we haven't had it in a while. We talk about business speak but we haven't been on a business trip in a little bit so we've had no uber confessions to speak of yes well we have one that came to us um through ball and chain pod at gmail.com and it's from our friend uh west hartford matt or matt oh, from nice. West hartford. okay we haven't he heard know? from matt in a little while no but the reason we haven't is matt has been traveling for business and um and has an Uber confession.
2: He drives part time. It's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions.
1: Rebecca and Steve, I recently traveled to Chicago for a work conference. I took a lift from the airport to my hotel, which I didn't realize would be an hour-long ride. The lift driver was very chatty and told me all about his life his girlfriend his desire to have kids and his hatred of his girlfriend's brother it's a long story eventually while we were stopped in bumper to bumper traffic on the highway he asked me what i did for work i told him i was a lawyer for the first time in 20 minutes he grew quiet after a few blessed moments of silence he said so i've been meaning to talk to a lawyer for a while can i ask you a legal question <laughs> Before waiting for my answer, he proceeded to tell me that he used to drive for Uber, but after he got in three car accidents, they terminated him, and now he can only drive for Lyft. His question was, how do I clear my record so I can drive for Uber again? I'm not sure why he thought it was a good idea to ask me, his current Lyft passenger, for advice on this topic. I fumbled my way through an answer while contemplating getting out of the car right there in the middle of the highway, but alas, my suitcase was in the trunk. (laughs) To his credit, he did deliver me safely to my hotel uh, that's from matt from us Harper. matt adds a ps ps i'm not your resident lawyer but if you're mentioned if you're mentioned on this week's podcast last week's podcast of dr gary siegel looking for a buyer for his augusta house leads him to actually finding a buyer you guys should get a commission <laughs>
0: Well, I'm just glad that he lived to tell the tale because that's that's. I mean, I've talked before about being in the in a Uber with a person who I thought was saying racist things. When somebody has your life in their hands as they're driving you, you're in such a precarious position as but, to what what do I do right now?
1: But if he's in bumper to bumper traffic on presumably the the Kennedy or the Eatons or possibly the Dan Ryan, I'm going through all of my Chicago freeway uh, atlas. Um, I, I just like the fact that he was he feared for his life. And he could have gotten out in a, out of the stopped car, but his suitcase was in the trunk. Right. And God forbid he had nine dollars worth of clothes and toiletries that he, he would have to get I give mean, up. even
0: as an attorney, he probably only has to wear jeans to work. So all of those things were probably replaceable. Unless probably, he had his favorite pair of diaphanous white Adidas pants. He's
1: probably required to wear jeans. But anyway. It's been a while since we've had an u- uber confession. Thanks, f- thanks, Matt, for that. Forgive me if you've heard pinging. I guess it makes sense now because I've, I've received some texts while we've been recording this podcast, and they have been pinging. I didn't have my my phone on silent. Maybe that's the origin of it. Maybe. And many of these texts, by the way, are from our, uh, our guest of a couple of weeks ago, Sam Farmer. Sam uh, is, sent me a picture. He's our resident Los Angelino. And he sent me a picture uh, of the Beverly Hillbillies' house near the Bel Air Country Club where he had been uh, yesterday. And it got me thinking. On on Conan O'Brien's podcast, he just does, does a podcast, he had Jeff Goldblum, the actor, on as a guest. And they were talking, and, and Jeff Goldblum said, do you remember the actress who played Grandma on the Beverly Hillbillies? And before he could finish that sentence, Conan said, Irene Ryan. And they were sort of nerding out over old TV trivia. They mentioned that Irene Ryan was she was the you, you remember the frail old grandmother. She was fifty nine when that show went on the air and was only seventy when when she passed away. But it got me thinking and, and Conan then went on to talk about these these television characters that that uh had such a hold on on him as a kid. And Sam was just texting me about um you know how every house by the Bel Air Country Club is somebody is is somebody famous, and how um, you know? That's where Errol Flynn lived, and that's where Howard Hughes would land his plane. And uh, he mentioned that's where he mentioned two figures that loomed hugely in both of our childhoods, Sam's and mine. Sherwood Schwartz, the creator of Gilligan's Island and The Brady Bunch, who also wrote the theme song for both shows, and Quinn Martin. Remember the shows with a Quinn Martin production? I don't. You don't remember that at all?
0: No. The fugitive.
2: QM
1: production. All the great detective shows, Streets of San Francisco and those shows where they would have a, a title, you know, like Death Catches a Cab or something like that. And then uh, awesome theme music. And then there would be, you know, the usual uh, sort of ice break, tension breaking coda after the crime was solved. And then they'd freeze frame over the detectives laughing and the end credits would roll. Does any of this sound familiar? No. A border is a dark tunnel whose other end might lead to the final encounter with a many-faced enemy, but for the moment, it leads to safety. None of these TV tropes don't sound familiar. Well, so. uh, that wasn't
0: went, the TV trope in in, in Dukes of Hazard, which is my which was that's, my that's your show growing right. up. Of which, of course, now I look back on and think of how how many parts of that were just wrong. The Confederate flag on <laughs> the car, yeah, for instance? maybe. But as a kid, like you're not thinking like that, and um, yeah, there there, as there as weren't a, kid, a whole not lot of like
1: as America America <laughs> wasn't wasn't thinking like that. Right, it was like exactly. one of the top five shows in in the country,
0: and it was the same plot twist week after week after week. But uh, but anyway.
1: And I was also thinking. Now this may be more in your wheelhouse. I don't know, but uh, how integral to my childhood game shows were. And our eight-year-old now always asks me, "Can we? What's on the game show network?" Unfortunately, it's almost always Family Feud, which is a, uh, which is like a sexual innuendo show for the most part now. Right. Bizarrely, did you have a favorite game show as a kid? Did you have uh, any game shows you watched? Well, the only time
0: watched? I got to watch game shows because there wasn't really cable TV when I was a kid was if I was homesick from school. And The Price is Right Well, that's was why it looms so large, I yeah. think,
1: is because that's that's when, when you, got you got to you, enjoy right. them.
0: So The Price is Right was was a big one. I can remember maybe around dinner time, although my parents didn't have the television on very much until long after dinner, but there might be Wheel of Fortune and then a little bit of Jeopardy. But those are the three that are, are most in my memory. Although who was, um, what was the game show where it was the really long... Microphone. It was just a little tiny microphone, but it was really long.
1: Match game with Gene Rayburn, which okay, has been yeah. revived by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember. Uh, I remember well, it's that. The as best well. match
1: game with Gene Rayburn. Uh, uh, Tattle tales with Bert Convy. The banana section. Does that ring a bell at all?
0: The banana section. Yeah, they had
1: three colored sections <laughs> for the audience: a green section, uh, a blue, red section, and the banana section was the yellow section. And you well, that's to be what the, That's
0: f- what you should. They should use when they're going into their meeting at the insurance company. I'm feeling banana today, be, and this is why they and, should use and, that and, as the, the and yellow. The
1: coach in, in his diaphanous pants had, exactly. had a banana section. Ex- exactly. Um, press your luck do you remember press your luck no uh you know the the whammy with the whammy oh i I do remember the the whammy yep um what what do they say like big money big money no whammies
0: right right yeah Yeah. i do remember that
1: the new treasure hunt with jeff edwards jeff with the g-e-o-f-f ring a bell at all no it was sort of the precursor to uh who wants to be a millionaire with the suitcases they had like 30 gift wrapped boxes and no. a check for $25,000 in one of them? You don't remember this at no. all? Okay. Well, I'm sorry I brought it up, but... Uh,
0: no, I'm sure that there are lots of people who do remember it. Yeah. It's just a little, you know, especially because we didn't have cable TV until I was in high school. Our, our options were very limited.
1: Well, we also didn't have cable TV until I was in high school because there wasn't cable TV until I was in high <laughs> right. school. Right. <laughs> all right, well, my, uh, my TV memories are, are going nowhere with the younger generation, my wife. Um, so let's let's get to viewer mail, shall we?
0: I'm going to start with one from our friend Matthew Bartleson, and he sends a video via Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod, and I'll retweet his tweet. But it says, "Feel free." Well, thank you, Matthew feel free to discuss the best falls you've seen on the next podcast. This is me pretending to be very cool while talking to a man I might have a little crush on in my office at the restaurant. So he sends a video of him. He's behind his desk. He's talking on the phone. He pushes his chair back and just it completely goes over and he goes head over heels (laughs) behind his chair. So have you ever had a uh, a best fall or been in part, been a part of any kind of embarrassing fall
1: oh I'm sure I've been I'm sure I've been involved in in many you know as a Minnesota Vikings fan I've seen plenty of embarrassing falls
0: there you go I um I didn't fall but one time this was years ago I was calling a game at Baylor in Waco and sometimes when I'm when I wear my hair in a ponytail in the back or in a bun, I have this like fake piece of hair that you put around it that just makes it look a little fancier and cuter. Anyway, I was, I'd walked across the court to talk to somebody pregame, walked all the way across the court again to go back. I was a sideline reporter at the time. So kind of going to my seat at the baseline. And at some point, somebody scurried over holding my hair in their hand and said, this fell out as you were walking across the court. For most people, I wasn't really embarrassed because I didn't care. But generally speaking, you don't want your hair to fall off while you're walking across the court. It's,
1: it's, it's not ideal. Um, speaking of that, though, you said, have you ever ever had an embarrassing fall? Last week you asked if you've ever backed into anything um, in your car, and and uh, tons of people responded. We should probably read some of those.
0: Yeah, the, he, we got some. This was from Jennifer. She said, no coffee, early Saturday morning. I pushed the button, heard the door open, got in my car, started backing out, crunch. I had opened the garage door for my husband's car.
1: <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I've done that where I've opened the wrong garage door. And then
0: start backing out. But this is the best, her last line. My self-imposed punishment, no new shoes for six months to cover the repairs. How many pairs of shoes do you buy that only six months worth of no shoes embargo saves up enough money to uh, to repair whatever you had to repair, whether it was the door or the car? But Jennifer, good for you. Kayla said... Uh, What she backed into the booth for the person in a parking garage. Yeah, hopefully that person was okay. This could have been my favorite. Joan said a police car. A police car was the worst thing that uh, she ever backed into. And then Bob said an open garage door, but the bike rack was still or the bike was still on the roof rack. So that caused some trouble. Garage door open. You don't want to pull in if the bike is still in the roof That's track. that
1: song by Modest Mouse. Back my car into a cop car the other day. I my car into a cop car
0: the other day. I don't know that song. I don't know that okay. song. I don't know or Modest Mouse, okay. but but that's okay. Yes, the question was, what's the dumbest thing you've ever backed your car into? And so uh, those are some good replies.
1: This is uh, comes to uh, ballandchainpod at gmail.com. This is from Amy. Amy writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. My mom would also begin to spell our last name to cheers to others with B as in boy. And a few letters later go with M as in Mary. The Mary did not bother me much, but the boy did for no particular reason. Uh, and as I grew older, I, I altered the B situation to my liking. Now, I, I now spell out my last name for others with B as in bodacious. <laughs> I either get a laugh, supposing they're in my age bracket, mid-30s or older, or a blank stare of incomprehension. I keep Mary in play if it feels like bodacious was too much, or if the person I'm talking to has a sense of humor, I will use marvelous or magnificent when I get to the M.
0: I like that. Maybe I'll have to borrow that. L-O-B like bodacious. O. O like O. Oh. O like O. Oh. Here's one that came in from Robert. Robert asked, Dear Steve, I enjoy your writing and recommend Stingray Afternoons often. Have you ever considered teaching as a career, or did you experience as a student... Seeing classmates weaponize big pens steer you in another direction, or did your experience? This is from Bob in North Carolina. So he enjoyed Stingray afternoons, but for some reason wants you to get a different occupation. Yeah. Um, but have you ever considered teaching as a well, career? Well,
1: as I consider uh, what career I go into in my 50s here, um, I, I haven't considered teaching, but I've, I've spoken in front of many, many, many classrooms of all ages, kindergarten through college and have almost always enjoyed it but I've always uh, and this is a testament to teachers I've found it difficult to fathom doing it the next day much less every day because (laughs) if you prepare for it it doesn't seem like the um the job would ever end, especially when our, our kids say they have a question for the teacher and, and they can email the teacher up until, what, 9 p.m. and they'll get a response. Right. That doesn't seem uh, a fair to the teachers, does it?
0: No. You said you you have almost always enjoyed it. Can you? Do you have a memory of a time or a moment where you didn't enjoy when you were speaking to a class?
1: I would just say any time I've spoken to middle schoolers
0: <laughs> and high schoolers. You know what's funny no, about I, that? No,
1: I take that back. I, I'm joking, but but... Seventh, eighth grade can be a tough crowd.
0: It's funny that you bring that up because I've spoken to all different ages and I can distinctly remember this was years ago. My mom was still alive and working. So this was years ago. She was working in the middle school and um, this was I was still playing in the WNBA. I wasn't too far removed from UConn and she asked me to come and speak to seventh and eighth graders at her school and I did. And I remember afterwards telling her that is absolutely the worst behaved group of students I've ever spoken to. And at that point, I'm a current WNBA player. I played here in the state in Connecticut. I'd spoken to a variety of ages and and for the kind of local group of kids to be the worst ones I'd spoken to. I just remember saying that to her and... uh I don't think it was one of the finer classes that had gone through her middle school. Your uh, your
1: mother that, I I spoke as well, and I escaped this fate, but your mother had invited another person to speak. That person flew in, flew in to speak to this group of middle schoolers. Oh, this
0: is when my mother used to run the career day at the middle school. Yeah. Uh,
1: The person, the speaker, had a shaved head. He spoke for an hour, and at the end of class, they opened it up for questions. And the first question hand shot up the first question was what kind of shampoo do you use (laughs) come on and your mother pulled that kid out of class yanked him I believe by the ear down down the hall to the principal's office and uh
0: and was furious oh that's so my mother and no she wouldn't have yanked him by the ear she may have picked him up by the ear (laughs) back in the days when you could do that kind of thing but uh Oh, that's unbelievable. Do you remember what the guy's occupation was?
1: Yes, he was your agent.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's unbelievable.
1: You don't remember the story?
0: I don't think I've ever heard this story.
1: She certainly told me.
0: Oh, my gosh. Rebecca and uh, Steve
1: writes, uh, Becky Dab. I give her last name Dab, D-A-B, so you can understand this. Growing up, my mom used to phonetically spell our last name D as in David, A-B as in boy. D as in David, A-B as in boy. I, I'm not sure I would understand what that was, hearing it over the phone. But the reason she writes, just saw this story on Facebook, immediately thought of the pod, and she links to a, a picture of a formal a guy in a tuxedo and a woman in a, in a bridal gown bouncing in a... A wedding wonderland, wedding bouncy castles. This you, is a trend in the UK, wedding bouncy castles.
0: You showed me this picture. It's like a white bouncy castle. It doesn't have, you know, stuff coming down. Anyway, we'll have to retweet that or post that somehow. But um, I actually like that idea because it's, it was a picture of the bride and groom just jumping up and down in the bouncy castle. And, um, like, that's joyful. And your wedding day should be joyful. I now pronounce
1: you man, man and wife, you may bounce the bride. <laughs>
0: It just looks like fun. I can see, uh, you know, a wedding party getting some cool pictures in there as you're all bouncing and airborne. Um, but I think that's a really neat idea. So anyway, you, make sure you send that to me, and I will post that on our on our Twitter feed, which is at Ball and Chain Pod.
1: I will. Uh, Troy in North Carolina writes, "Dear Stephen Rebecca, as you discussed, the listener receiving his newspaper under the mistaken name of Stone Curtis, it brought to mind the old Flintstones episodes when actor Tony Curtis guest starred as Stony Curtis." <laughs> I used to work with a man whose last name was Gravel, G-R-A-V-E-L, pronounced Gravel. One day as we waited for a meeting to begin, a huddle presumably, I told him how jealous I was that the Flintstone—that that the Flintstonization of his name was already decided, while mine was to be determined. Troy here also um, uh, wonders why team managers have to wear suits or formal dresses when they're whopping up sweat. Yeah. And, and as a question for you... Uh, we've invented specialized mops to assist with this duty. Perhaps Rebecca could provide thoughts on the benefits of towel versus mop when they're when they're uh, absorbing sweat on the court and you're waiting around for that to, to be finished. Do you have a preference as a player?
0: Uh, I think the towel does a better job when you have, like, when the guy's out there with the broom before the game, that's just, just to get, like, the dust and stuff off the that's floor. Sort of,
1: that's sort of the, uh, the uh, basketball's version of the Zamboni going yeah, exactly. around with the...
0: But if there's, if there's a, a lot of sweat, like if a player's fallen on the floor or whatever, the kid out there with the towel who's really putting some muscle behind it, the towel's the way to go. But, but rewind a second. So he talks about the flinstonization of the name. What would our last name Russian be when it was, f- what, Flintstonized? Well,
1: since he worked in a quarry, I believe it would be crushing.
0: Oh, there you go. I like it.
1: So um, I, I hesitate. I really, against my better judgment, I'm opening this email. I I particularly when um when I get email for the peop those people who can track me down, I get email for things that I've written uh in Sports Illustrated. I, I would never open an email with this with this heading, but um but here we go. The heading is viewer mail, my first pineappling. <laughs> Okay. Okay, fingers crossed. Uh, R. in episode 72, you discussed Steve's inability or unwillingness to slice a pineapple. Okay, we're on safe ground here. I shared this story with my wife as she feels I'm equally useless in the kitchen. As luck would have it, we had a pineapple on our counter. She pulled out a cutting board and a knife and challenged me, not to a duel, but to slice and dice. So for the first time in my life, I'm 57, I made the attempt. It was a bit of a struggle getting through the alligator hide-like skin, and I suspect I gutted somewhat less than 100% of the available fruit. But I now have made my maiden pineappling just to let you know that your show has inspired my fruiting growth. P.S. I'm a loyal listener from Toronto, and if the position isn't filled, I'd love to be considered your resident Great White North correspondent. This is from Stuart in Toronto. Stuart, you, you are provisionally given the title of Great White North correspondent, but I have to say hey, congratulations on the pineappling. But I think we have a, a, another correspondent who would like that title as well. And that's because Jim in Ottawa writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Congratulations on your 75th episode. Well, I expect you'll get there as I'm listening to episode 74 now. I love the podcast. And when a new one is released, I move it to next in my queue. I meant to email a long time ago, but I thought the occasion of your 75th, I should finally correspond. Some random thoughts. So I think this is going to apply to uh, all the episodes. You appointed the podcast resident Canadian a while ago, and she didn't even live in Canada. I hereby apply to be the Canadian resident, resident Canadian. My credentials, I live in Ottawa, home of Dave Smart, Canada's John Wooden, and just 30 minutes from the James Naismith Homestead in El Monte, Ontario. Dave Smart, the coach at Carleton in Ottawa, I believe they won something like 13 consecutive Canadian uh, university basketball titles. I love Stingray Afternoons. My only regret is I didn't read it sooner. I won't make the same mistake with Knights in White Castle. I'm about six years older than Steve, but I clearly remember a lot of those pop culture references. I may have delivered the Christmas wish book that you wrote about. Hmm, was, he, was he a Sears delivery person? I love the home improvement stories because they make me feel like Bob Vila, but I thought Rebecca was exhibiting hindsight is twenty-twenty syndrome when she suggested taking an old flapper to the hardware store. A, who wants to carry a used piece of toilet around with them? And B, regardless, any normal person would expect a universal flapper to fit any toilet. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. We have the same problem at our house, and I'll try the remove slash replace first. Other thoughts. The Oxford comma, yes, no, or maybe. He says yes, comma, no comma, or maybe, showing his preference for the Oxford comma. I was wondering if the garage light had been replaced at the time that the most recent garage door incident, you backed into our garage door, the garage light had been replaced and days was, earlier.
0: And it was full daylight.
1: Final suggestion, put the podcast's email address in the Twitter and Instagram profiles. Perhaps we could get our social media manager, you, Rebecca, to do that.
0: Uh, that's something I can manage, that's yes. It's a great idea.
1: So we'll send swag to you, Jim, in Ottawa. And uh, here's 75 more, he says.
0: Well, how about this? This is our 75th episode. Yeah, yeah. This is? A, this I think, is. Or was last week? The no, this is. Of, oh, we
1: probably should have prepared something then.
0: This is, um, that's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of hours of you uh, and I actually talking to one another cer- in our freezing cold Almost basement. certainly
1: too many, don't you think?
0: Almost certainly.
1: Steve, I was passing through the frozen food aisle at our local grocery store and felt compelled to grab a package of White Castles. Thank you for expanding my palate. And yes, my wife would agree with Rebecca. Doesn't <laughs> she doesn't enjoy them. Uh, this is from Bob in Manchester, by the way. I think it's only fair that I return the favor and strongly encourage Rebecca to take you, Steve, to Shady Glen. Growing up in the quiet corner of Connecticut, this was a stop for us on the way back from school shopping trips to Hartford, pre-Eastbrook Mall. A cheeseburger is required eating. I would add a coffee frap and onion rings to complete the experience.
0: This is our is that second week in a row that we've shady been talking Glen's about getting the shady lot of, glen. Yeah,
1: always a good idea to grab a small cone for the ride home. Ice cream stain on shirt is optional. If not a cone, a half gallon in a free, in a freezer bag is always a good call.
0: Well, maybe for to celebrate the 80th episode when it's a little warmer here in Connecticut and it's prime ice cream time, maybe I'll take you or you can take me to Shady Glen and Please. we can celebrate with a burger and ice cream.
1: And with our friend Shady Glen. PS, Shady Glen writes Bob would be a good stop for Denny if he wants to get a feel for what Friends Friendlies was like back in the day.
0: Ah. was Friendlies much different back I, in the day because I, I used I to don't go know. to This
1: is the only day that I've been to Friendlies. I,
0: I would go to Friendlies when I was a kid back in the day and um, it's similar to when I've been to Friendlies, I think I've been there once in the past couple of years, and it seemed very similar. The
1: best part is that uh, he spells Denny, D-E-N-I, and I think that's <laughs> why we should start spelling Denny from now on. Denny, Denny it's still Denny one with one N. N. An I with a smiley face over the I. Let's make that happen.
0: All right. We've got something from Twitter from Lee, and she is responding to, I posted a video of a, a promotional spot that I did for the Connecticut Sun that about a week ago, And Lee said, I would love to hear the backstory and behind the scenes info about this on the next Ball and Chain podcast. So I don't know if anybody saw it, but the Connecticut Sun did a really cool promo trying to get people to come out and watch the WNBA. And they asked me if I would be involved and also if our oldest daughter would want to be a part of it, too. And so she was, you know, it was it was a fun spot to do. Amber Cox, who's the president of the Connecticut Sun, wrote it and um which i didn't realize until we went there to film it when i'd read it i thought it was really well done and then she told me when i when we went to film it that she was actually the writer of it she said i was nervous that steve was gonna come and you know i don't know do a spit take while watching it being recorded yeah so uh anyway i brought our daughter all of our daughters with me when we did it it was a lot of fun to do there were some funny outtakes but you know we had to be very serious our daughter had to be serious and i had to be serious and um in between each take like after we would you know say our lines in a serious tone we'd kind of look at each other and start giggling or laughing and um our 14 year old would say well how do you want me to say that how do you want me to do that but it was a neat thing to get to do with our daughter and our uh and our our eight year old was sitting there with her, you know, just out of camera shot, with her little running commentary, kind of busting on her sister as the thing was going on. So, um, nice little nice little family moment. But I'll try to retweet that on our Twitter account as well if anybody wants to watch it. Um, but uh, but just picture us, you know, as as we're delivering all these lines in a very serious tone every time the we would. Uh, be off camera. We were just kind of laughing about the whole thing, but uh, it was a cool spot that they did.
1: Well, speaking of that, Ralph has written in, Ralph in in Maryland. Uh, He attaches an article from the Syracuse Post-Standard about Brianna Stewart's uh, devastating injury that'll keep her out for this WNBA season, and it's it's an editorial from the newspaper editorial board on better pay for WNBA players. He would like your thoughts.
0: This is going to be a topic that you're going to be reading a lot about if you follow the WNBA, because Their collective bargaining agreement ends at the end of this WNBA season. And so I would imagine they're going to be having ongoing negotiations during the WNBA season. I don't know exactly what things all of the players are are looking for in these negotiations. I would imagine um, increase in salary is one of the things last year. They play 34 games in the season, but last year the season was three weeks shorter because of the World Championships. And so th- they were playing games every other day. Sometimes they're playing four games in seven days. I'm assuming that's going to be a negotiating point for the players simply because their bodies were really, really tired. And um, that's just, you know, probably too many games in that many days. But it's going to be an interesting thing to see unfold this year. I think everyone would love to see the players get paid more the question is how much money are the teams in the league really making how much more can they afford to pay the players so you know it's going to be something I'll be following closely throughout the course of the season just because it'll be a big talking point for the WNBA season but I certainly hope that both sides can come to a really fair resolution and that there won't be any disruption and in play it won't happen this year but I hope that you know there's nothing that delays next year's season
1: well speaking of women's basketball we have an email having virtually nothing to do with women's basketball from one of its preeminent writers, Howard. Howard writes Dear Rebecca and Steve, longtime fan, first time mailer, I wanted to reach out in light of previous conversations you've had about the Impossible Burger. This is the meatless burger. Uh, notably, that Burger King is bringing it to select stores for use within a Whopper. And make sure that you both know about the Impossible Sliders at White Castle. I had no idea.
0: I certainly had no Did idea. Did you
1: know there were meatless sliders at White Castle?
0: No, I don't know anything about White Castle other than what you've told me. Did you know that White
1: Castle sliders had meat in them?
0: (laughs) Well, right. Isn't that every White Castle slider?
1: It says on the box that you get at the grocery store, real beef. (laughs) It really does. Perfect. Given Steve's longtime love for the chain's signature offering, as someone with a vegetarian daughter and father, but someone who eats meat himself, I can assure you that meals built around these feel like a compromise for no one. This is an endorsement for the impossible meatless Whopper and the meatless slider.
0: So Howard, who is not a vegetarian, but who has a vegetarian da- father it's, and it's, a it's vegetarian la- as daughter, that's with male pattern baldness,
1: it skips a generation. Right? Vegetarianism.
0: <laughs> he um, he's he's endorsing the Impossible Slider. He is, is and that he what I'm I hearing? don't think he has a financial stake
1: in in meatless burgers at. Meatless whoppers
0: this is interesting one of the one of the girls who plays on our twelve year old daughter's a a u team is a vegetarian, and her parents aren't vegetarians. She's just made that choice herself and she's been a vegetarian for a couple of years. I have another friend whose daughter decided she wanted to be a vegetarian. I think she was in fourth or fifth grade. I don't know how uh i mean one of our daughters barely eats so she she would be a non vegetarian she's, she's, she's,
1: she's an omnitarian
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh But anyway, I would imagine that that provides some challenges. Like, what would you do? The king of, I guess you could still make cheese pizza for one of the kids when I'm gone. But what would you do? I had
1: a physical yesterday. And every year in my annual physical, I I make a swear, a blood oath to adopt the Mediterranean diet. Yes, you do that. Mainly because I, I would like to adopt the Mediterranean. Maybe because I would like to live in the Mediterranean. Right. Okay. But since I don't do the grocery shopping, I eat what's put in front of me. I, I can only, I can only uh, ask you to get legumes, whatever they are, nuts, olive oil. And and I would s- happily subsist on that entirely. So, you are
0: such an unbelievably pathetic creature. I am. I am since pathetic. I don't, since I don't do the grocery shopping, I can only subsist on what's put in front of me. I don't have a car. <laughs> I don't have money. I don't have a grocery <laughs> yeah. store. I can. You don't go let do. me. You don't, you don't are, let me go to the grocery. You are an absolutely pathetic creature. I yes, would feel. I, I would
1: feel. I would feel that I was being. Uh, I would feel it an act of uh, of grocery infidelity. If I were to go grocery shopping, like you were to come home with groceries, and then I were to sneak out and go get. My own groceries?
0: You can be as as big of a grocery store cheater as you want. You can go to any of the chains, especially now that they're no longer on strike. You can go to any of them. You can purchase anything you want. I would
1: be the first guy whose diet cheat day is going out and eating something healthy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Well, it was great because you came home, you know, tell me a little bit about how your physical went, and then I just happened to be going I to grocery store. I didn't come home and
1: tell you how my physical went.
0: You don't ask,
1: and I don't tell. Well, at I, some
0: point, yes, we have a don't ask, don't Who wants tell to it hear about to somebody physicals. else's physical? Anyway, at some point I said, all good, and you said, all good, and you started talking about the Mediterranean diet again, and I was going to go to the grocery store. I said, would you like me to get anything? And then you started, well... They, you know, they said, this is good to eat, and this is good to eat. And like five of the things you mentioned are in the pantry. And this is the thing with A you. nightly
1: glass of red wine is what is, I think, the thing, right. the, the key to the Mediterranean diet. Well, but diet.
0: Th- this is the thing with you. This is the beauty of, of you, Steve, is that we have probably three of like the supersized cans of tuna fish in the pantry. And if I open one of them up and cut up some celery and onion and, and make tuna salad and Did put it and put it fish, in the fridge yeah and put not it in the fridge chicken. and put it in the fridge you'll gobble that stuff up but if it's not prepared for you and it's not already in the fridge it'll just sit there in the can
1: well my my it's, first day of the mediterranean diet i i, I ate my weight in pistachios so uh, I, I feel i feel healthier already and though,
0: and and last night i made you a nice uh, a new recipe of a salmon what else did we have we had um uh, asparagus asparagus we had salad salad in a bag it was uh it was all, I made you I made you a nice meal, but you do have to take some ownership of this because we have a bunch of healthy ingredients in the pantry or, or even more so in the fridge. You have to understand that you can prepare those and eat them. It's not just the eating that, uh, that you're capable of.
1: Okay, well, Howard adds on an unrelated
0: note, <laughs> uh, and he
1: writes on an unrelated note, I want to get your thoughts on an idea I've had for a few years now, one that pops up every March in particular. Given the enormous traffic, traffic difficulties in your home state of Connecticut, he's absolutely right about that, and massive popularity of women's basketball, might I suggest an express lane exclusively for those attending women's basketball games? We'd call them Lobo Lanes. Please note that your podcast helped me get through many many such drives, trips I was forced to endure without said Lobo Lanes, which to date only exist in my imagination. Now, Howard, I, I should point out, Lobo doesn't need a Lobo Lane because when she gets in traffic near one of these women's basketball games she rolls down her window does the madonna framing of her face and they direct her to a, a special lot at least that was my experience when i went to a yukon so game so untrue. There.
0: but i like that idea because right now there's there's some highways in connecticut that have the high hov lane and you know it's almost always empty they should let people even if you're just a, one person in the car if you have a yukon women's basketball sticker decal in your window and you know call it a Lobo lane if you must but then you can get in the HOV lane. I like that idea.
1: Finally, we have uh, greetings from Santo Domingo. Our correspondent in the Dominican Republic has has favored us once again with, with the viewer mail. He writes that he is a kindergarten teacher in the Dominican, being an early childhood educator for 26 years and having taught in seven countries, I greatly enjoy hearing the thoughts and observations that your children make. How children see and make sense of the world is still an amazing thing to me. For example... One of my students once asked me if pineapples came from pine cones. Another student matter-of-factly informed me that I didn't have a kidney, but an adult knee. (laughs) Also, I once had a rather spirited discussion with one of my students because she thought the stuff that came out of volcanoes was larva, not lava. (laughs) Your children's comments about life, very much like my own students, continue to crack me up and remind me that a child's perspective about things is always so clever and relevant. And yes, of course, tabernacle is a funny word. To close, should you two ever need anything from the DR, Mayuki, my wife and I, would be happy to send it to you. P.S. It's worth stating that on Easter Sunday, while I was flying back to Santo Domingo, I was listening to the Sam Farmer episode. I was laughing so hard that Diet Coke shot out of my nose. Certainly not as memorable as a woman nursing a cat, but it was an airplane first for me. And I'm sure for many seated around you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Swag is on the way to Santo Domingo. And I should add, I said that was the last, but there's one more thing I wanted to add because last week in Viewer Mail, we read a Viewer Mail from Shelley in Minnesota who writes children's books with a with a strong female heroine.
0: Always number nine in honor of Title Nine. yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I didn't say what they were or where to find them. And so Shelley Boyan Breen's books are... Are uh, Shelly Bean the Sports Queen? And you can find those at shellybeanthesportsqueen.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you.
1: My pleasure. We talk about books and book clubs and having a children's book club. At the very least, we should put tell people where to find them.
0: Well, let's keep things in Minnesota by asking the Minnesota band Tom, Dick, and Hari.
1: Play us out.
2: Six of us and the family pet living in a cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and figuist, while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane